1: what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you and welcome,
2: Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen.
4: Hello, Susan. How are you doing this evening?
2: I am inside cowering from the heat. How about you? Oh,
4: I am enjoying one of my favorite kinds of days, overcast, breezy, And Goldilocks, just right, temperatures in the (laughs) mid-70s.
0: Oh,
2: wow. It was almost 100 here today.
0: Oh, wow. I know.
2: Sweltering. And, of course, it's the humid Catskills. So it's almost 100 degrees and I'm sure 100% humidity.
4: Wow. The air must feel so heavy.
2: Not in here. No. I am a modern human being. I have a house. (laughs) Thank you. Thank
0: goodness. (laughs) And
2: I don't have the air conditioner on, but I do have the window unit on dry.
0: Mm.
2: Because even just taking the humidity out of the air makes it so much more tolerable. And I Mm. harvested perhaps the last of the peaches. We were out harvesting shisandra berries. And I got the last dozen or so peaches, and I fried them in butter. And then I toasted some pecans. And then I drizzled some honey over the peaches and the pecans and cooked that until it kind of caramelized. And then I, I'm going to serve it with a little bit of mint salt. <sighs>
0: mm,
2: mm, yummy. Yum, yum, mm. yummy, yum. I'm eating, no. a lot of, I'm eating a lot of curly duck leaves these days. A lot of curly duck leaves and a lot of dandelion leaves. And I notice this more and more every year as the light starts to shift. Even if the weather has not followed suit and it's still hotter than blazes, my body starts wanting the greens from the deep-rooted plants. That was good kale good that's good spinach. that's good garlic mustard. Those are all good greens now. Get some greens from the rooted plants
4: and are you cooking them up like you would cook up kale or collards, or are you eating them in salad or how are you how are you eating them?
2: all of the above <gasps> so I made Ooh. an omelette with um a layer of beaten up eggs and then a layer of salad, and then a layer of goat cheese,
0: oh. and some cherry tomatoes
2: in the garden, and put the lid on it, and kind of like baked it on the stove top, right? But Willow and I just ate a bunch of salad, and we dressed it, you know, we put oil and oxymels and all kinds of good things on it. That was mostly yellow dock and dandelion. Was that was it okay? It was very tasty. Yeah. They're like tender and not bitter at this time of the year. The yellow dock wow, is have... up so much new, new leaves. And the dandelion, too, they're both just growing, growing.
4: Yes, I, I absolutely noticed that. And I ne- I, I, this is new to me, that I couldn't cook up yellow dock leaves. I'm so excited for this. This is
5: awesome.
2: Yes, the wow, curly I, dock I, leaves, not I, not the broad dock. The one that right, has the broad right. leaf kind of flat with a reddish vein. That one tastes too bitter. I was taking a class of macrobiotic, um, wanted to be chefs. They were going to macrobiotic chef school. And they wanted to go out on a weed walk and find things they could, you know, put in their meals. And we came across some broadleaf dock. And I said, well, that's, you know, yellow dock, and you can eat the leaves of curly dock, but not this. And they said, why not? I said, it's bitter. They said, we like bitter. They didn't. (laughs) It's bitter. Mm -hmm. So
4: the leaves of of the one I'm looking at look like they've been like ruffled a bit and like they around the edges and they're about one and a half inches wide.
2: Wide, yes. They're narrow and long. Yes. And the the ones I'm eating are bright
6: green.
4: Oh, I I absolutely know what you mean because all around the garden they're coming back again with the dandelions. Right. So, yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, how fun. Love it. Thank it's you. kind of, um, a, oh, gee, you know, I have to go out there and take these things out of the garden so that the time and the smaller plants can survive and might as well eat them.
4: Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, and I didn't know. I never, I, this is so, this is cool. This is so new to me. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. uh So what have you been up to?
4: Oh, uh, I have been putting up the elderberries here in one particular area of our yard are so generous, and I've been, like, taking what I think is my share and then leaving a whole bunch and seeing who else wants them. I wait a few days, and not many others are showing up. For them, you know, no two-leggeds would be showing up, but
2: you no know, two other but There might be birds or deer or things like that. Is that what you mean?
4: Exactly, exactly. And so, no one is coming up to say, "Yes, I want those." So I harvested some more of those um, just last evening, before as the sun was going down, and put up a couple more things, and then. On my way out to Harvest Goldenrod this weekend, the red clover, finally, I tuned in and was like, I, okay, I have to go back and get another basket for red clover. I'm going to do it. I'm going to find something to dry it. the red clover on. So I have this lovely, perfect area to dry the red clover, and she's drying. It's the first time I've ever personally harvested red clover for me. Oh, um, my gosh. Oh, yes. oh,
2: that's
7: special. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Justine and, I, so Justine
2: and I just yesterday we made a video of me making red clover infusion from blossoms mm-hmm. that I harvested. And then today we made a video of me straining it. And the blossoms out of that infusion look like I just picked them out of the grass. Oh yummy. So gorgeous.
4: Mmm. Mmm. Wow.
0: The It always,
4: water
2: is just, always you know, fills me with a joy that there's so much abundant food and medicine right around me.
4: Mm, isn't that so true? It's just I'm so grateful and so in wonder. We took a walk in the woods, not on our property or even like in the few streets. We, we crossed over a street to go into the woods, and uh, it was just so amazing this weekend. You know, a friend asked a question about something. And I said, "Why are you asking me? Let's just ask around." And then it was just like I had to quote you because immediately, like, in almost in response to her answer, here comes a critter from nature darting across. It was like a, like an eight-point buck. And she had (gasps) asked a question about, like, what is masculine.
8: up on a bridge to look and here he goes darting through the woods <laughs> oh my
0: gosh <laughs> so it's like okay I think we should
9: stay
4: here maybe this spot has some information for you right <laughs> <laughs> so yes yeah. yeah it's like delighting and getting to share like nature and outside with friends and taking part in the communication that's going on this time of year it just seems so special like all definitely. I mean, it, it's all upon us. And as far as I'm concerned, it's 100 degrees there. But um, and it was hot this weekend here. But it it just the leaves are already starting to come down. The the pasture grass even looks um, like tired and just not so vibrant and luscious. Like it, it's already kind of getting dehydrated a little bit and just thin rather than voluptuously, you know, juicy. <laughs> So, yeah, fall yeah. Is coming here. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: You're definitely right about that. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And you're, st- yeah. you're there and you're sensitive enough to it that you can actually see that happening day by day.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so beautiful.
2: Mm-hmm. It's not like it just suddenly, you know, out of nowhere happens. It's a slow progression if you're watching And
4: you mm-hmm. are mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Mm, Such a beautiful invitation To we'll be a part of the whole dance The whole spiral
5: So glad whole I, thing. I I'm,
4: I'm
2: yeah. Part. yeah, blessed be Blessed be uh, So Thinking about getting ready For going out to Red Earth I'm going to be teaching Mm. at Red Earth in... Golly gee, I guess I leave um, not this Thursday, but next Thursday. So if if you haven't checked that out, this is a reminder that Red Earth Women's Gathering, focused on the Wise Woman tradition, is once again happening and there is something so extraordinary and so special about being among a group of women who love plants Mm. Mm. in
4: Colorado this time of year Mm. amazing yeah
2: beautiful stuff beautiful stuff Mm. and Linda Conroy uh is gearing up for Mycelium Mysteries, which is coming along as well. So lots of stuff out there. Not only are we feeling the seasonal shift, but people are gathering and gathering plants and gathering themselves together Mm -hmm. as well. Mm. We have a fascinating guest who's going to be with us this evening. Her name is Kaylin Castell, and she's the co-founder of Venus Alchemy and the Shamanic Astrology Mystery School. She's written monthly celestial timings for over 27 years, and she enjoys sharing astrological mysteries. She's going to be here at 9 o'clock. That's East Coast time. Stick with us until then or come on back and you can find out about what alchemical astrology is and what you can do at the upcoming equinox to help you make the most of the season. All right. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Um uh-huh. uh, anything else you want to tell us about what's going on there?
4: Oh, I I am I think I have shared. I feel so sad. Yep. How about you? Anything else?
2: Nope. Let's get to the questions.
4: All right. Um, I see one caller that has already pressed one to let us know that they've got a question this evening. I'll remind everyone, if you've got a question this evening for Susan, please press one. Then we'll see your hand go up in the queue. And when it is your turn, I'll announce your area code, and it will be um, time for your line to be open. All right. First, we'll go to the 352 area code. From the 352, you are live with Susan. Oh, and are you there, or did you disappear? Wow, they just disappeared. All right, oh my from goodness. the four
0: four three. All
4: right, Yep. As soon as I hit a button, you are gone. So call back if if that's something I did. Call
7: back,
4: Yes. Otherwise, yeah, I, we lost you. Um, from the four four three, your line is open and you're live with Susan.
2: Hello. Oh, are the electronic gremlins messing with us tonight?
4: Maybe. In the four four three, your line is open.
7: Hello, can you hear me?
2: Yes, we can.
6: Go ahead.
7: Questions I have two questions that I'd like to ask. Okay. Um
0: this
7: is all this is all very new to me um, and okay. I'm at fifty six. I'm a 66-year-old female. Um, I lost my husband a year ago, um, and I, since then, began to have some health issues. I've never taken any kind of medicine. I've always avoided taking any kind of chemicals into my body, um, uh-huh. but but since losing my husband, I have begun to realize that obviously there's grief. We were married for 40 years. There's grief that I've been dealing with over the last year, mixed with some anxiety. And I also have um, scalp uh, psoriasis in my scalp, which is now going down into my ears. And I don't know whether there's anything that I can start to take versus what doctors are recommending to take. There
2: are some things that could be helpful for psoriasis. It's um, kind of mystifying skin condition. But let's talk just a little bit in general first about the skin. And at its simplest, the skin defines the boundary between what's inside me and what's outside me. And when when there's a disruption to my skin, there's a disruption between what's inside and what's outside. There are certainly times when life feels too rough and we feel rubbed raw. Psoriasis is raw skin. We think it's caused by skin being made very, very rapidly, so that there's always like kind of fresh, new, tender skin, which is easily harmed and sunburned. But there are also times when, instead of feeling tender and raw, I need to Really make a big boundary between me and everything else. And I want my skin to be really tough to protect me from things. And that can also cause my skin to react by growing very fast to push past my desire to make it slow down am i making any sense at all to you yes ma'am okay when ever we lose something that's been with us for a very very long time grief is the word we use but it's something i think that's far more encompassing than grief It's as though our entire compass has shifted. Yes. And for me, part of that grief process is somehow squaring it with myself that it's not a betrayal to be alive. Yes. That it's okay. To not only be alive, but to enjoy my life and to feel good in my life. And one of the things that helps me know that is I know that the way that I experience time is not the truest expression of time. I experience time as a linear progression of this and then this and then this and then this and then this so there's a this that was in the past and there's this that's now and a this is in the future but i okay. also know that time is a point source and that all times exist at the same time yes. and i know that what that means is that so long as i am involved in linear time It will be one moment after the next. But when I'm no longer involved in linear time, it will be everything together. So it's not like our living takes us away from those who aren't. Because they are at that place of all time, and we'll join them there. And no time will have passed at all because there isn't any time there. Yes. So, what herbs can help us with that? Perhaps the most dramatic herbs that help us with that are things that really alter our mind and shake us up, like psilocybin. But it doesn't have to be that strong a thing. We can also use simple plants in the mint family, which have a tendency to touch us in ways that relax us. I remember very, very clearly after having been in a place where I didn't know I was under enorm- enormous tension, but going to another place and someone hugged me. And as they hugged me, it was like, all the tension at the previous place just like bubbled up and out I thought oh my gosh I really I had no idea how much I needed this hug and I feel that many of the mint family plants are like that too motherwort and lemon balm and lavender are especially especially known motherwort of course is like sitting in your mother's lap lavender for people who really like the smell of lavender is deep relaxation and lemon balm is a kind of well it's a lemony, so it's a it's a a, a relaxation under duress shall we say? I always remember the woman who worked for a very volatile boss, and she triple extracted her lemon balm tincture she put her. Vodka over her fresh lemon balm, waited six weeks, poured it off over fresh lemon balm, waited six weeks, poured it off over fresh lemon balm. Yes, she lived in a southern climb where she could do that. And then she had a triple expected lemon balm, and she said, one or two drops of that, and it didn't matter what was going on with her boss, she was as cool as a
0: cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: But if you don't have access to lavender or lemon balm or motherwort, the truth of the matter is that the mints are really a tight family. And if you ask peppermint or spearmint or even rosemary or thyme or sage to help you, they'll be happy to do that. Okay. And especially if there is an aromatic mint that has a strong association of safety and comfort for you. Okay. Smelling it as well as actually ingesting a tea. The aromatic plants, because they're aromatic, do wonderfully well. Just a little bit of the fresh plant in hot water or a little bit of the dried plant in hot water. Do you grow any of the mint family plants?
7: No, I don't. This is all very, very new to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, sometimes the like to- people for whom it's new ha- have... Uh, a mint
2: plant because they're so easy to grow, many people just wind up with one. <laughs> right.
7: And and that's something that I know that I can do. Um yeah. it's it's just I know as things have progressed and then all of a sudden you go to a doctor and they're like, Well, we're just gonna give you a pill and I'm like, Well, well wait, wait wait minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute.
2: Wait a minute. Exactly. Mm.
7: Mm. No, we're not just gonna do a pill. let's let there's all kinds of alternatives before we ever got to pills.
2: Way Uh, way a bunch of other things, indeed. Yes. So, you know, in many places in the world, the way they deal with grief is they make an altar to their ancestors. They make an altar to their beloveds. And it's not a bad idea because, in a way, it makes a container for the grief. So that it's not nipping you at the heels all the time. Not that there will ever be a time when you forget, but there's, there's a kind of wisdom to focusing the loss and giving yourself all the rest of the time to remember the good times. Yeah. Because in 40 years, there must have been an awful lot of good times.
7: Absolutely. The best.
0: Yeah,
2: I often tease that you can choose between your scrapbook and your crapbook. It's
7: <laughs> uh, what you focus on.
2: It's what you focus on, exactly. And, hey, every once in a while you wake up to the stink of your crapbook, but you just say thank you very much. That's all true. Now we're closing you.
7: <laughs> thank you. Yep.
2: Yeah. So what I'd like you to do, if it feels all right to you, is to call me back in two or three weeks and let me know which means you're working with and how it's working out.
7: I'd love to, yes. And, and, and will this
2: help with the black
7: psoriasis as well? The psoriasis,
2: we don't know, in fact, what will help with it because okay. we're just not sure What's causing that to happen? So in my meandering there, what I'm inviting you to do is to see if a dream has some information for you. Meanwhile, there's an oil, usually olive oil, made from a fresh plant called hypericum, also known as St. John's wort. Many people think of it as being an antidepressant. Right. But one of its real values is that it is a tremendous wound healer and very protective against the sun. So it's kind of ideal for psoriasis, in which that skin is so tender and so easily burned and hurt. And some people actually find that putting hypericum oil on their Sores makes them hurt less and go away faster.
7: Okay, because yeah, my my great concern is that it they're going down into my ear now, and so it's like now, what am I supposed to do?
2: Right. So this way, was perfectly safe to put in your ears. Okay. And again, you know, if if it's fruitful for you to ask this skin condition what are you doing for me? Right. I believe that because we are integrated whole, that there's something that I'm not willing to do, that my body will do it for me. And if I don't want my body doing it for me, I need to find out what it is that it's doing so that I can choose a more pleasant way to do it. Okay. I've been working with my daughter On a Dr. Sarno program about chronic pain and one of the things they suggested was that chronic pain is associated with um, emotions that you're not willing to have and I thought is there any emotion I'm not willing to have and I realized yeah there was I'm very very grateful to all of the surgeons who have allowed me to be alive and I have to admit I'm also very angry they cut me. They burned me. They put needles in me. They were awful. And, right. of course, I don't allow myself to be angry because, for goodness sakes, you know, they were wonderful and they saved my life. And I know, by working with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, that whenever someone dies, there is also that part of us that's angry at them. We are. We are angry at them for leaving us. Yeah. Right. And that's part of not necessarily that we have to rage or tear their pictures up but just as I am asking myself to make space in myself and to allow myself to think of myself as a good person even if I'm angry at the people who saved me you know yeah. because that's, that's yeah. why I don't allow it right it's like Oh, what a bad girl you are to be angry at them. And I said, well, how about if we let up on that? How yes. about if we acknowledge that there is that anger and it's not wrong? And it's very, you're not going to call them up and tell them you're angry. You just have to acknowledge for yourself that that's there. Yeah. So, so that's, okay. that's well, part of it, right? And the, and the psoriasis is is, ang- is related to anger, yes?
7: Um. I, I honestly, I don't know. Um,
2: it, well, um, it's been described as angry places on the skin.
7: On the skin, yes, at the bodies, yes. Okay, so, Susan, well, I will have yeah. it to fall back in two or three weeks and let you know how the Mitt family is working for me. Wonderful.
2: Thank you so much. Thank
7: you so much. Thank, much.
2: Thank, you. Thank you.
4: Six. All right, and I'll remind everyone listening, if you have a question would like to speak live with Susan this evening, please press 1. We'll see your hand go up in the queue and open your line when it is your turn to speak with Susan.
0: Uh,
4: at this time, I see two hands that are raised. We will go to the 402 area code, and you are live with Susan in the 402.
3: Hi, Susan. It's so great to talk to you. My name is Sasha.
1: Uh, what's up tonight?
3: Hi. So I actually have a question I called about an issue I've been having with my tongue that um, I still want to ask, but I also found that your answer to the last caller was really relevant um, and touching to me. I've also been grieving the past couple of weeks um, of a different magnitude. You know, not my spouse of 40 years, but I lost my cat um, who was my companion for 14 years. And, yeah, feeling, you know, just, just moving through all of that, feeling pretty raw about it and um, putting myself, my partner, putting ourselves back together. Um, and so that, that might be relevant to the question that I wanted to ask, and that is about a week ago, kind of shortly after this happened, um, I started having a strange coating over the surface of my tongue. I actually noticed it first as just like a really weird feeling and kind of just like um like furry, furry feeling and just a strange taste all day, and I noticed that it had kind of like a creamy white surface. And that's been pretty consistent over the past week. Um and I you know, I was reading about it, I read about I came across thrush, I came across I was gonna say, do you um, think it's
2: thrush? Does it smell yeasty?
3: Um well, it doesn't smell that yeasty and it's also not super thick. It's not in my throat. It's okay. really contained to my tongue and it, it does get it seems thicker along the back of my tongue.
0: Uh-huh. Um uh-huh.
3: And so then, yeah, I came across Candida. I watched your your video about that and read some other things you had written. I've been doing the, you know, eating yogurt every day and kind of just trying to do all the fermented, moldy things that I can.
0: Nice. Um,
3: so yeah, so that which has also been fun because <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> Good. Okay. Um, but yeah, I guess I just you know I haven't had this before and I. I also read, oh, you know, I, it just seems with Candida, there's just a lot out there. I'm not really sure how much of it feels relevant to me, or how alarmed I should be, or you know, what kind of patience I can have with with something like this. Um, yeah, and just hear your guidance around it.
2: So, Candida albicans exists in the gut of all healthy human beings.
0: Mm-hmm
2: just like Heliobacter pylori exists in the stomach of all healthy human beings. We have communities of things. And we can be discomforted when certain members of those communities take up more room than usual.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's why you've been encouraging other things rather Mm -hmm. than trying to decide what it is and kill it. You've been saying, let me just add all kinds of good players here and give my body um, whatever it needs to make this okay again. Mm -hmm. It's not life-threatening in any way what's going on.
0: Okay,
2: so you have actually pretty much as much time as you want, or as much time as you can accommodate. the Really, the only times that I have seen systemic candida have been in people who were in hospice on their deathbeds. So there's a lot out in the alternative community about Candida overgrowth.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was a very hot topic at one point. It appears to have been pretty much replaced in most instances by by a fear of gluten. I'm sure you ran across that as well.
3: Um, I guess in this recent research, I mean, I have come across that, yeah, but I wasn't, I wasn't really incorporating that much into something I was considering as relevant to me.
2: Yeah, I don't think it is. Yeah. Um, n- nor do I think you really have to worry about a candida quote infection. Okay. Certainly something is not as you want it to be. That is absolutely so, and we want to mm-hmm. see what we can do to get that back to what you want it to be.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: let me ask you what your primary drinks are.
3: Drinks are tea. drink black tea and green tea, and I do drink the nourishing herbal infusions. Um, I do drink some water. And very little alcohol, maybe once a month.
7: That sounds good.
2: You'd probably be better off without the water.
3: Yeah. I thought <laughs> I thought you would <laughs> uh,
2: but other than that, you know, I think I think that's pretty good. The okay. most common thing causes what you're describing in your mouth is fruit acids. Mm -hmm. Pineapple juice, orange juice, things like that. Okay. You didn't mention those things. So they're not usual drinks of yours.
5: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: So that's probably not where it's coming from, but you might just want to cast an eye on um, are you eating raw fruit and if so how does that make your tongue feel or look is Mm. that is that agreeing with you or is this a time to back off from it
3: okay yeah that's interesting I do eat I do eat raw fruit and so, in that case, even just moving to more cooked fruit, that would not cause the same. It's, it's the raw. Exactly. It's, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay.
2: And it's it's getting to be you know time for apples and. Um, it's really remarkable the difference between, like, apple juice or apple cider and applesauce mm-hmm. in terms of how our digestive system relates to it. Right. Even drying the mm-hmm. fruit and having it dried, especially, you know, without any sugar or oils added to it.
0: hmm
3: Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's that's definitely something to try. And I, yeah, thank you. I, I just, I think I wanted some assurance that I could be patient with it. It's not a huge bother to me. It just is a difference. Um, mm-hmm. So I just, you know, wanted to know that I can take my time. And I guess one more question. I did. I think because I was reading that sometimes this might happen, and maybe that's more in the case of rush um, that it, you know when your immune system is compromised I wasn't sure if taking echinacea would be um, I have the tincture if that yeah I don't
2: would think you I don't think your immune system is compromised so.
3: yeah okay
2: I think that if anything um, as you said at the very beginning um, that this is related to your grief. Yeah. So it, it probably wouldn't hurt if you're willing to take some echinacea but I don't think that you need to take it sort of thing. Okay. Good. Okay. What, um, was, your, what was your pet's name? Oh, it was
3: Penin. P-N-I-N. P-N-I-N. Pnin. Pinin. Yeah, I named her after a book. Um, it's a Russian name. Uh, the book was by uh, Vladimir Nabokov. So, um, yeah, she was a really great cat. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah.
2: thanks for sharing a little bit of
0: her.
3: Yeah, thank you. Um, and thank you for your advice and, and really for everything you've I've learned so much from you from reading your books and listening to the show. And I really appreciate your, your honesty and the way you connect with people um, and just how much information you have. Um, so thank you very much.
2: You are welcome. Green blessings. Good night.
3: Good night.
4: All right. And if you have a question and would like to speak with Susan this evening, Please press one, and we will see your hands go up in the queue. We have two callers with their hands raised at this time. And we'll go next to the eight four five area code. To the eight four five, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan.
8: Hi. Hi. <laughs> Here I am again, and I have a question that I don't know if it's okay. You know, if it's really. Uh, the right address to ask, but I have been extremely uh anxious to uh, to get in touch with Deborah Wayne for the reason that she said that in four to six sessions she helped people release chronic pain, and I have been in pain for six years now with the you know with the shingles and then the heart condition and uh, the medication I'm taking that I talked about last week or two weeks ago. I don't know. Anyway, so um, my question is uh, I tried to get in touch with her and and I couldn't. Uh, I ordered her book and there was a phone number there and it's out of service. And finally, I just, Put her name in the Google, and I found um that she uh, is uh, that I have to register and she has a an ongoing workshop and uh, to make a long story short for an amount of money I could never come out with and even if I had the money, I wouldn't take it because after I read her book that I got in three days from Amazon. Uh, I've been in all those stations as she's teaching younger people to learn to be fully present without pain in their lives, okay? I know those stories. However, knowing a story and applying it to myself, it's a different journey. And uh, when she was sharing that she can do that in the energy field. I remember that about thirty five years ago, somebody in New York City relieved me of a chronic pain, and I said, oh, "Oh God, oh my God! yes, I had a pain in my in my left shoulder for a lifetime not consistently aggravating but hurting most of the time on and off and he he took it away he called himself a massage therapist but he was a healer besides his massage he, he did tell me to write a letter to my mom and I said I write every week a letter to my mom we are in correspondence relationship We don't live together. She's in another country in Europe, and I'm here in Manhattan. And the pain was
0: gone.
8: Wow. When I heard Dame Wayne saying that, I said, Oh, God, I am given a gift of living my last years of my life, or... Maybe not the last years, but close to. You know, I am eighty-one, uh, without pain. You know, literally. The problem is, I don't find her. I mean, in that, how distressing? Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> and then I thought, of course. If she's so famous and internationally known and on YouTube and on everywhere, millions of people want to be without pain. So she cannot handle all of us. (laughs) difficult and she becomes very expensive. You know, if a Zoom course costs almost $1,000, then a private session, maybe it's $5,000. You know, I, I, I can't go there. I'm not a Hollywoodian. Wow, that is pretty pricey, I must admit. Yeah, well, it's not written anywhere. I'm just saying maybe okay, that's
2: that's also... not necessarily what she's charging, but what, what it might be.
8: Yeah, yeah, that, that's a way to screen the millions of people uh, waiting to get rid of Chronic pain. Uh, I did learn everything she's teaching in, you know, because I'm 81 and I was in pain uh, a lot in my life. I and of course, felt in is one of the methods of addressing an overwhelmed nervous system. But um, I did try to to find, you know, I, I had. Huge headaches, I had belly aches, I had this way, that and the other. And together with that, I also had times of glory, of dancing, of joy, and a mixed blessing. Now, it's not mixed anymore. I'm in a lot of pain. And mm-hmm. I was looking forward to connect with her.
2: Yes. But it's not easily done, Yes yeah. what you
0: Yeah.
8: I I, I mean, I filled in there uh, and I put on my email and got no answer and (sighs) nothing.
0: Do
8: you have any idea how to...
2: (laughs) Well, you know, it's even more distant from me than you might think. Because it's a helper of mine that secures the interviews it's not like I meet people and say oh I want to interview you Uh so most of the people that I interview occasionally I know them but most of the time I don't know them and they come um we're reasonably careful to make our best effort not to entertain people who don't shall we say walk their talk yeah yeah
7: so so we do
2: you know have that as a as a important to us that you're actually being honest with yourself as well as honest with us But then, other than that, we do our best to entertain a wide variety of different ways of being. And I hear you. It is, you know, it's really um, difficult to figure out how to make yourself available to people without making it so that you have nothing left for
0: yourself.
8: Yeah, uh, you know, I do that unconsciously because this last week with what happened in Florida and with the hurricane, I was really waking up with high blood pressure which never happened before and I realized that has to do with my soul going somewhere in trouble and I have people that I know who are in Florida and uh, I was probably visiting, so... uh, I want very much uh, to reduce that capacity to be not in my own skin with someone who can work on my energy field. It's obviously overwhelmingly open.
2: Yes. Yes, and you've been talking about this for quite a while. You've been seeking some way to encourage your... Organism to be a little less sensitive
8: Be grounded Yeah To be grounded I I, I am out without my permission (laughs) I mean it's a way of saying it But I really I'm not interested In in living other people's lives Just because we are friendly Or because I pray for them Or because uh, I am around them You know like Neighbors um, <laughs> Even if we are not close, I still do that. I do it when I listen to the radio. I have to turn it off, otherwise I can't really eat my breakfast. But I want to know what's happening. I live in a in a very isolated place. Informational, yeah.
0: Mm.
2: So you want. listen to the radio and to find out what's happening
8: because
2: because it makes you feel less isolated but at the same time when you're doing that you feel pulled out of yourself and into other people's cares and concerns
8: of course i mean there is so much need for healing on this planet
2: well perhaps that's why i don't listen to the news.
8: I understand. It's extremely frustrating to listen to something I can't do much about, even though right. I give a lot of give a And lot
2: a teacher of mine always said, it's not like you will be isolated if you don't participate in this. The things that you need to know will come to you very quickly, and I have always found that to be absolutely true.
8: I agree with you, and there are things that I can do around here, you know, I and I do them. However, there it doesn't come from a place of balance. It uh-huh. comes
0: from
8: a place of being used to some purpose.
2: And you don't agree to that. Well, and yet,
8: least, and yet you, and yet, you yet know it seems. Why. Yeah. My daughter said, "Doesn't help anybody that you're suffering." Uh, She feels everybody, but she's not disturbed by it. I am. I take Uh it personally.
0: (laughs) You take it personally?
8: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you know, I hear the news. I take it personally. I say, what's going on? Life is about growth. And yes, life keeps going in spite of everything that's wrong life keeps going and i keep going in spite of all the pain and i believe in that
2: truly amazing how persistent and adaptable life is
8: yes yes that's right So I was, you know, totally uplifted by the thought that I'll have a respite. I'll mm-hmm. clean up everything that's ne- negative well, in my head.
2: Well, well let's, let's really push this to the limit here. Okay. Because I think that you could contact her, but not physically.
8: Yeah, that's right.
2: I think, now, yeah. do you need her permission? And how much permission do you need? And if so, then I would say, because this seems very important to you, right. that it's <laughs> probably worth setting aside a little bit of time on a daily basis <laughs> to be with her. And just set that aside time aside as though you were paying for it and say this is the time that she's working on me and you sit in meditation or you lay on the massage table for however long it is that her session is and you allow that to happen Because it doesn't require her physical presence. It doesn't require you to pay her money. It just requires that there's an agreement.
0: Yeah.
2: And it sounds to me like you heard something that she said when we were talking that allowed you to create a sense of agreement between you and her. And I trust that. I trust that there is a sense of agreement between you and her. And the way that I deal with this is kind of the opposite of you, maybe a little more like your daughter, which is I said, you know what? You need me to work all night. I'm happy to work all night, but I am not willing to remember any of it. I want to wake up in the morning and have no idea. And I do. And people tell me how much work I'm doing at night, and I absolutely believe it, and I'm fine with it. I have no problem. But I'm not willing to remember it. Thank you.
8: I'm not sure I follow that, but I, I'm just thinking as you're talking that... If she were available in the way you suggest, she would be overwhelmed with this planet of chronic pain. I am sure that she's got her body. No, because
2: it all happens together at the same time. There's no way to be overwhelmed. Overwhelmed (laughs) does not
8: exist. Well, I do. (laughs) I, I do. I get overwhelmed instantly an outer world <laughs> but but don't project that
2: onto others oh okay that's what i'm saying the fact that you do doesn't mean that others do
8: but there are a lot of chronic cases on the planet even if and I don't.
2: it is possible to deal with them all at the same time wow i oh, believe me that in many instances, when people are available, that that availability is there for whoever is willing to seriously use it.
8: So just sitting every day and praying that I am healed by her would be my way of being serious about it?
2: Well, to me, praying is already one step away from it.
0: Oh. What I really
2: want is for you to know and to set aside time for that healing to happen. Uh
0: Uh-huh.
2: Okay. Not that you're beseeching it, not that you're wanting it, but it is there and it is happening. This is the time every day when I have an appointment with her and she's healing me. That's what's happening. Wow. There's an agreement between us that this is gonna happen.
8: Rollers have extraordinary ideas no matter what they bring to the
2: table. Well, I think that if she doesn't agree it'll be clear to you very quickly, won't it?
8: okay. Well, I'm definitely ready for the ride. Thank you so much.
2: (laughs) I love you. (laughs) You are a delight. Thanks for your call.
8: Mm-hmm.
2: Good night. Green blessings.
8: Good night. All right.
4: And I will mention if I can put her in touch with more direct information. Um, if she wants to email wisewoman at herbshealing dot com, um, we, we can help her behind the scenes um get in touch. Um on the right page on that website, it is available. Right, so. but she
2: did uh, say that she thought that it was beyond her means.
4: Yes, and she referenced a price that um, doesn't coincide with the actual price. is It's much less. So oh, I, good. I, I, I,
0: All right. Yeah. I, so
4: I, I, I heard she couldn't find it and thought maybe since she didn't hear back from her, the price would also be exorbitant because she was so busy. Um, the price is five hundred dollars. But um I think she referenced five thousand. So if you're interested <laughs> okay. in that, it's you the contact information that Deborah shared last week on, on the show. And um we right. do have callers with their hands up.
2: Okay. Okay, callers with their uh, hands up. Here we go.
4: Here we go in the three three six. You are live with Susan.
6: Green blessings. I. <laughs> I am so excited to get to talk to you, and I have a question, but I would really like to say first and foremost, thank you so very much for all that you're doing, you're going to do, and you have done. You have been the biggest blessing to me, the biggest blessing, and I just want to say thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. I take that in. Oh, I am nourished
6: by it. It, it just—you have no idea. You you have, you have absolutely no idea. And I just want to really send to you my gratitude and gratefulness, and send you the blessings that you have sent to me and my family and my animals. And I'm just overwhelmed.
0: Mm. All
2: right. So something My question. Something must be up. Tell me.
6: Well, first and foremost, your correspondence courses, if people ever doubt whether they should invest the time or invest the money. Yes, 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 you should. You should you should. Because I realized that I was not as dumb as I thought I was because when I started your course and I got to researching, and, it's amazing when you put your mind to something what you can do. Now, to my question, my daughter is 22 years old. She has been the specialist. She's been here and there and doctors, and they diagnosed her with Crohn's, IBS, and I, I didn't see any of it. Like. If this makes sense, I didn't feel any of it. Like it just didn't add up. Well, you take this pill, you take that pill, and I kept saying, "Well, you know, first and foremost, change your diet. Let's try, let's try this, let's try that." And then here come you. I thought, oh, now, I've had infused vinegars, and I've done this, but the nourishing infusions—the oat straw, the red clover, the nettle. I had never even considered or thought about would it be okay for her to take those as well
2: absolutely
6: and then she's a very well here's how this is I really like that but I can't eat that that makes my stomach hurt well, that makes me nauseous. That, in other words, it always goes back to her gut. Well, my belief is that your gut has to communicate with what's going on with you mentally. So, is it inflamed? Is is there anger? Is there stress? Is there She's always had really heavy periods and and clots and this and that, and the doctors really just say, well, here's a pill. I would like her, and like I said, she's agreed, to try the oat straw, the red clover. I was fortunate enough to have red clover this year that I harvested. Um, I made tinctures with it, but I didn't have enough. Well, I don't have any left to um, do the infusions.
2: Pinctures so what, what are great, and they're not infusions. Right. And it's kind of like... Um, the way that I explain it is that, first of all, it isn't true that alcohol and water have the same ability to absorb things. Alcohol absorbs alkaloids, many of them better than water does, and water absorbs minerals and nutrients better than alcohol does. But just for the sake of this discussion, let's say that alcohol and water can absorb all the constituents of the plants equally. So we're going to go out and we're going to harvest four ounces of an herb, and we're going to dry it say nettle or oat straw or red clover. When it dries, we'll have one ounce of dried herb and we'll make a quart of infusion. Now on the same day, we're going to harvest four ounces of the same herb fresh, but instead of drying it, we're going to make a tincture of it. And that'll make about a quart of tincture. quarter pound of plant will make about a quart of tincture. So at the end... When our tincture is done, when our infusion is done, we have a quart of infusion and a quart of tincture, both of which, for the sake of this discussion, contain the same constituents and nutrients. Can you see how impossible it would be to get nourished from the tincture? Yep. Because you're not going to consume a quart of tincture. You're going to consume 140th. Of one thirty-second of the quart at a time.
6: Right. So it would so actually to take s-
2: It's like if you were to make a cup of nettle infusion and smell it, rather than actually drink it. Bank. So it's not critical or even important that you harvest your own herb for infusion. I buy thousands of dollars worth of dried herb every year.
6: Thank goodness you said that because I always did fresh, 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 fresh. And then here comes Susan and I'm like, it's okay to use dried herbs. Like I can go to a quality establishment and get dried herbs and it actually be more beneficial than me harvesting. You know, I've got plantain and dandelions and white clover, red clover. Like I've got stuff. I was so afraid to actually purchase dried herbs, or I would try to dry them myself. And Mm
0: -hmm.
6: I absolutely love marshmallow root. Well, you know, I'm sorry. I am not that talented yet that every (laughs) batch of marshmallow root that I have attempted, yep, I have not dehydrated it well enough. I thought, but I can't buy dried. I can't let somebody else do it for me.
0: Sure
2: you can. Sure you can. Yes, now I can thriving and loving herb community not only in the United States but all over the world all over the world there are people growing harvesting and selling herb for use for nourishment and for health and for seasoning I am so excited by that there's so many of us that are so interested in the plants it's such a delight
6: and it, it is amazing that more people do not understand what's actually available besides a pill. And I am not a fan. Now, some herbalists say, you know, you can buy the vegan capsules, whatever, and you can make your own little capsules to take. I'm not a fan, but... You know, it's still an option. But who knew? Who knew until you actually learn and are willing to learn? Who knew that good health is actually available without it being horrendous? But you to be in
2: a pill or even a capsule of herbs,
6: right? I mean, it, it there's more side effects when they when when my daughter come home and she said, I start my IV infusions next week. Um, I thought, well, what is it? And she hands me this piece of paper, and I was reading through it, and I thought, well, this doesn't really sound right. I said, um, they didn't tell you you had cancerous cells or you they thought you might have something cancerous. With. I said, all this sounds like chemotherapy treatment, but they just said you had Crohn's or IBS. So then I dug further, and it is essentially marketed in a different way, but it is the exact same treatment that one of my friends was taking for cancer. And I said, it's going to kill your immune system. What are they giving you to help build your immune system up? Nothing. They just said these may be the side effects, but they're killing your body. But they're not even certain if it's what you have. They just want you to start taking this. And she did. It was supposed to be eight weeks, and she got to three. And it was awful. And she goes, I don't want to do this anymore. I said, well, you know what you do. You're a grown individual. You're a grown woman. If you don't want to do it anymore, then you do not do it. But you have to be willing to look at other resources and other options. But nobody's going to make you do it. But you have to make the choice. And she said, I do not want to do it anymore. Please help me. I don't think you're crazy anymore. I don't think you're this loony herb woman. Please help me.
2: <laughs> it's always good to have a loony herb woman on your side, she's discovered.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
6: But I am uh, blown away. I am blown I'm not laughing at, at you, at, you know. I'm laughing at, at, at no, all of you. No, no, not. I know you're not, but I'd rather... Because we are all loony Arab
2: women, without a doubt.
6: I would rather be loony than dumb. And there is no... In my heart, there is no ignorant individual. There is no dumb individual. It's all how we utilize the gifts that we have within ourselves. That's it.
2: That's beautiful. Thank you.
6: But thank you so very much, and I am going to... um, get on my dried herbs and I'm going to get my dried herbs and I'm going to start the infusions and I will check back in in a couple weeks and get more guidance. And
2: and there's one other thing I'd like you to do. If you haven't already, check that YouTube and you can find me or my granddaughter Monica Jean making Slippery Elm Balls and Slippery Elm Balls to my mind, are one of the greatest allies for anyone with Crohn's disease, anyone with, let's call it, tricky digestion. Yes. Yes. So find out about those slippery elm balls and when you're ordering herbs, get some slippery elm powder so that you can mix and you can do those slippery elm balls for her and she can um, carry them around in a little tin. I have worked with really quite a few people Who've been diagnosed with Crohn's disease and their highest praise goes to Slippery young.
6: Yeah, it, I had ulcers and the very first, when I first started on my journey, Slippery M. I thought, well, why am I drawn to that? Well, I went there. I didn't ask why. I just went there and I got Slippery That's M. went there. Very there good. Okay. Got the root. Well, I just went there and I made a cold infusion and made a T. I mean, it is very mucilogenic, like it's whatever. And, but do you know it works? It works. It really
2: works, doesn't it?
6: it My is. gosh. It works. Yeah. And, I,
2: but I didn't know. And, and especially somebody with Crohn's disease, where they have flares, if they have the on balls with them, they have something they can use immediately.
6: And, and that is one of her issues, that she could be anywhere at any time, and it just hits. So I'm going to research that and, like I said, check back in because I had to grow some cojones to call you tonight. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to call.
2: Good for you. One of my favorite T-shirts was from the women's soccer team. And the front of the shirt said, no balls at all.
0: <laughs>
2: and the back of the shirt
6: said, we got tits. Mm-hmm. We don't need it. We don't need the balls. We got tits. You got it. Thank you so much. And again, from the bottom of my heart, I think you're amazing. And thank you so very much for helping guide me, whether you know you do or not. I know you're there with me, and I appreciate you. And green blessings. Green blessings. Good night.
0: Mm, So beautiful. Love that. We
4: have two callers with their hands raised. We also have an email question, so if we don't get to the email question listener, um, we will hit that next week. Um, we will go to the 619 area code. You're dialed in, and you are live with Susan. In the 619.
5: 619- Hello, can you hear me? Hello. Hello, Hello can you hear me? Hello, Susan. I'm very glad I could reach you and uh, about the opportunity to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. My name is Mila, and um, I have a question about my daughter. She recently, uh, she was running down the hill and uh, fell and broke her arm into um, bones. And uh, she's four years old, almost five. And um, uh, we went to the doctor the next day after it happened. That's what we were hoping it's not uh, broken bone, and it will go away on its own. But then realized we better visit the doctor, and they uh, told us it's a fracture. <laughs> We did an X-ray and uh, it was confirmed. So they put a uh, cast on her. Now we have to save uh, it for four weeks. She has so, And uh, I wanted to ask, maybe you can recommend something about how to uh, help her heal properly. I know comfrey is good for bones, but um, I'm not sure if I can give to a child comfrey and how much, how often, and if she has a cast, then I would have to do it internally. Like in a I, have, I, have given, I
2: have given comfrey and other nourishing herbal infusions to premature infants. I know mm-hmm. a great number of children who went from breast to nourishing herbal infusions, including comfrey all of whom are now teenagers and are still drinking infusions. Oh, my gosh. Um, So I have no hesitation at all about your daughter at four going on five drinking comfrey infusion. I think that's a very good idea, in fact. Mm -hmm. You drink nourishing herbal infusions
7: yourself? Uh, Yes.
5: Not every day, but usually, yes. Uh-huh.
2: Metal also. It's a very good idea for her to have an opportunity to drink infusions every day, too. When you're drinking infusions, whatever infusion you're drinking, make sure that your daughter is drinking some infusion, too. This is a wonderful way to just make sure that she's getting really well nourished
5: Mm -hmm. because infusions are uh, loaded with
2: vitamins and minerals and I don't know if you had an opportunity to see any of the Comfrey Conference but at the Comfrey Conference and the subtitle was It's Time to End the Fear, um, we found that there was no validated report of anyone ever coming to any harm from using Comfrey, and how much Comfrey can she use? As much as she's willing to drink. If she really likes it and wants to drink a lot, it's not a problem. And if she just wants a sip here and a sip there, that's not
8: a problem either. Mhm.
5: So, should I do it? Try to offer to her every day um yeah. So once it's healing. yeah it would
2: be it would be a very good idea when i broke my wrist i drank Humphrey every day for in addition to my other nourishing herbal infusions for um, maybe four or five weeks
0: mm-hmm.
2: and when i finally had it x-rayed because i didn't have it x-rayed at the time because i was out of the united states and far away from uh, a place. It was about three months after um, the injury that I finally got an x-ray. And the doctor who read the x-ray was convinced that I had uh, broken the bone three years earlier, not three months earlier, because of how much healing had occurred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's the word from a
0: health care
2: expert on how well Comfrey works, huh? Twelve times, twelve times faster.
5: Three months, thirty-six months. Twelve times faster. Mhm. And I also wanted to ask. I read in one of your books that, but, uh, but something, but not a cast is better than for healing. And I was wondering, maybe I should ask a doctor to remove the cast and. I lost a little
2: bit of what you were saying. You were asking me about the books that I had written and I also heard you say something about a class but I wasn't really sure um, how they were connected.
5: Uh, I read in your book about caste. caste that are not... Uh, oh, you read in you my book about what?
0: Uh,
5: Cast The... Uh, what they put on a hand when someone has a broken bone? A cast. Yes, yes.
0: Yes.
2: You read about a cast in my book.
5: That it's less effective for a bone healing than a, a brace or It's true. Because because it it's can true. It's true. That, that,
2: that a, brace. a brace is much better. And. Probably the reason that they chose a cast um, is because she's a child. And they're concerned to make sure that the bone heals in position and doesn't get jostled around.
5: Mm-hmm. And she has two broken bones. So mm-hmm. maybe this is also exactly. Theory. No that's Right. But, but, but they are only
2: suggesting that hard. she keep it on for a month. And that's wonderful. I'm quite thrilled to hear that.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you think a cast is fine, okay.
2: I think in this situation, where both bones are broken, that it's a good idea.
5: Mm-hmm. And after they remove it, they also want to do another X-ray, which I, I. Uh, is not always necessary. What's your opinion about X-ray? Um,
2: what I always ask myself is what action will I take given the results of this test? So if there's no further action you are willing to take about your daughter's broken bone, then it's probably not worth it to have it X-rayed. On the other hand, it provides a clear line of care on her medical record. And that's one of the reasons that they want to do it so that it can be seen that they diagnosed, treated, and followed up on what was going on. So if you think it's healed it's healed as well as it's going to heal, I'm not going to do anything further about it. I'm certainly not going to allow surgery. Then you could safely say, no, I don't want it, understanding that they want it for many reasons, the least of which have to do with you and your daughter.
5: Mm-hmm. Yes. my My okay. sweetheart
2: today got a valve in his heart replaced. And last week, I took him to the hospital for hours and hours of tests. And at the end of all those tests, they said to him, we didn't need any of these tests at all to do this operation. Every single one of these tests is required by insurance. If you don't get these tests, insurance won't pay. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
5: After reading your books, I... I realize a little better how the system works.
0: Yes.
7: Yes, so it's up to us to see to it that we get what we want.
2: But that also means that we have to understand the restrictions that are confining the people we're asking to help us.
5: Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, may I also ask one other question about myself?
2: Yes, but can you tell me what your daughter's name is, please?
5: Nina. Nina. Nina, N-I-N-A.
0: Nina.
2: Beautiful. Thank you.
5: And then... the question about myself I wanted to ask is, uh, uh yesterday I had, uh, uh, aches, minor aches, but still they bothered me around my heart. And, uh, they were lasted for maybe a couple of minutes and then, then gone. In a couple of hours, repeated, uh, gone. And then again, third time before sleep, I uh, repeated and the same. Uh, same pattern, and um, uh, I'm wearing a baby often, and I was uh, thinking maybe it's because of I'm wearing her a lot, and the uh, nerve was pinched, and it radiated there, but today I feel fine. So I was wondering if... I think that
2: you would benefit from... Allying with motherwort. Mm -hmm. Motherwort is a common mint family weed. I prefer it as a tincture. And it's been a real ally to great numbers of women who are concerned about their heart or just concerned about anything at all. It really is a lot like sitting in your mom's lap. And it needs to be the tincture of the fresh flowering plant. Unfortunately, there are some tinctures of dried motherwort out on the market, and they don't work very well. Mm-hmm. And with that, I have to say green blessings and good night. So that I can okay, introduce thank her. You. Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. Thank back. you very much. Have a good day and green blessings.
2: Green blessings. Good night.
5: Thank you. Okay.
2: Kaylin Castell was the co-founder of Venus Alchemy, My Star Alchemy, and the Shamanic Astrology Mystery School. She's written monthly celestial timings for over 25 years and enjoys sharing astrological mysteries through personal readings and teaching. She does both online and in-person events and Kaylin Castell has changed lives and perspectives for years. She offers a visionary understanding that we inform the mysteries as much as they inform us. Welcome to the show, Kaylin.
9: Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here.
2: Ah we're so happy to have you. I told them that you were going to tell them what alchemical astrology is. Yes. So you want to, you want to jump in there? Yes,
9: of course, uh, absolutely. So uh, this is a, a way of looking at the astrological mysteries that really goes back to ancient times when people had a more direct relationship with the sky and the earth. And, and Susan, I just want to say, um, you work with the plants and I work with the planets. <laughs> so it's just one letter different.
2: As that you know, is so perfect. I know.
9: It's kind of fun. So if we think of alchemy, uh, um, the the original, or you know, the definition that we we most people have heard is that it's taking base elements and turning them into gold, or transmuting and transforming them into something more amazing. So my simple definition that I really love is that it's uh, taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary. And that's that. What this, these mysteries are about reclaiming something that we had as ancient culture. I love how you're returning the herbal medicine back to its uh, what it was once known to be and had was used as healing instead of, uh, you know, being about making money in the way the pharmaceutical companies do that. And I feel like this is the uh, um, approach astrologically that has been taken from the people. Um, was something that we lost our relationship with and it's time to get that back so that we can, again, be more whole with the earth and with the sky and the two things working together.
2: So alchemical is the ability to make the ordinary extraordinary. (laughs) And (laughs) astronomy is plants with an E added (laughs) <laughs> and it reconnects us to that axis mundi, the great yes. axis that goes from the center of the earth up to the center of the heavens, around which the astrological zodiac wheels.
9: Yes, that's well, so well said. Yes, beautiful. And you know, um, we, we live with a calendar. <clears throat> our the, calendar, the Gregorian calendar, you know, that has the, the January 1st is the first of the year, but it's not really connected to a season or, a, you know, a specific cycle. It's just sort of an arbitrary date that they chose to create this calendar. Um, but the one thing the calendar does is that it aligns us um, with the movement of the sun for over 3000 years because the calendars they had prior it kept drifting off and so they had to keep resetting it. So it but it very much fixated our consciousness and our awareness on linear time. So we moved away from cyclical time, magical time, a more magical experience of the cycles, the seasons, the moon phases, all of that is not in, infused into our calendar. Um, in in the way that it was in ancient times when people were more connected to that. So part of this is how do we get that back? How do we re-empower ourselves with this knowledge and information and work with it in a ceremonial way, in a magical way, in a way that is transformative and changes everything for us when we are attuned to these mysteries? And it's kind of similar to what it was when you really return to plant medicine and recognized that the plants, the herbs, the, those things that also people kind of lost touch with over um, time because of the way things were set up, similar journey, if that makes sense.
2: It is. Jean Houston said to us one day that the most important aspect of health was timing. Yes. And that she perceived that a great number of people had lost both the daily timing, and she used me as an example. She said, Susan milks every 12 hours. And I said to her, you know, I'm here. I'm not milking every 12 hours right now. That's somebody else is doing it. And she said, you have done it so long that you are doing it whether you do it or not. you've set yourself up on this every 12 hours you're in the barn milking she said and that's a cycle that you've set up with the clock she said but I also know that you pay attention to the moon and the sun and their relationship with earth and we are coming up to one of the four great uh, wheel of the year events the equinox tell us about that and what it means in alchemical astrology
9: yeah so what happens is that this happens based on the way the earth is situated in space so it has it's tilted slightly on its axis it's spinning in a certain way um so it creates these seasonal experiences if the earth was directly like you know straight up not t- tilted 23 and a half degrees on its axis we wouldn't have seasons uh, it would just be like an equinox time all the time—the equal balance of day and night. Equinox means equal day and night,
2: or light and dark.
9: That's and, what it's um, like in
2: Costa Rica on on the equator. Yes,
9: on the equator. So the further north or south you go, the more extremes the seasons become. So there, you know, if you're like at the North Pole, and, <clears throat> in 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 our in our season of summer, it never gets dark. If you're at the south pole in our season of summer it never gets light and then it's the opposite in in winter where at the north pole it never gets light and the south pole it never gets dark (laughs) so um, but then you know different latitudes will experience different extremes of the seasons and the closer you are to the equator there's no change in seasons so um, but all over the planet at the equinox we all experience the balance of day and night no matter what latitude you're in and so that's Uh, that's kind of an amazing thing. The uh, uh, many, many cultures felt like it was super important time because of that balance between the day and the night experience. And at the September equinox in the Northern hemisphere, we're going towards the dark or the, you know, the solstice time when it's the darkest, uh, the longest night and the shortest day. And then in the Southern hemisphere, they're having the opposite season. So at the equinox, they're still having a balance of day and night, but at the September equinox they're going into their spring where the days are going to start lengthening we're in the fall where the days are starting to shorten and uh, there the other thing about this is pretty fascinating is that I, I'm trying to think the um, there's a um, a group of people that um, and something about the dawn I can't remember the exact name of it right now but they recognized that when the sun was rising exactly due east and setting due west all over the planet, that it had an effect on the magnetic field of the earth that gave us more access to other realms and dimensions. And literally, in Chaco Canyon, they built a, a pathway that would capture the path of the sun going directly east and west. And there were many cultures around the planet that built different structures to capture the equinox time and it, and usually all you need to do is really have your sense of direction connected to the east or the west um, so where the sun is rising where the sun is setting is usually due east due west no matter where you are on planet earth at an equinox
0: so
2: on spring autumn, equinox and on autumn equinox anywhere on the planet the sun is going to rise due east and set due west and that equinox is for an astrologer at a specific second minute hour day but to most of the rest of us it's a three-day period september 19th through 21st
9: right so we could say the exact equinox when the sun is reaching certain degrees so when the sun reaches zero degrees libra and this is something astronomers and astrologers actually agree on that's the equinox, or when it, that's the September equinox. When it reaches zero degrees Aries, that's the March equinox, that zero degrees point. And it has to do with how the Earth is situated in space and, and creates that um, equal day and night experience all over the planet. And it's a, it is a three-day window, the day before, the day of, and the day after the exact equinox point. Um, and actually there's a one of my um you know the 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 books that were the um that were created by Marian Zimmer Bradley on the um the myth of Avalon she wrote, Oh yes. Yes. She wrote a book called um the uh, Ancestors of Avalon. Well, actually, Diana Paxton wrote it for her after say, she... Wait a second. Yeah.
2: Diana Paxton wrote that. <laughs> yes, she wrote that. Diana there. Paxton yes. and I have room together at conferences. But...
9: Oh, my God. That's so great. I love that. So I just want to share this quick little poem that she wrote in that book because I feel like it's such a perfect description of the equinox. She said, let day be bound by the night, dark be balanced by the light. Earth and sky and sun and sea, a circled cross shall ever be. Let sorrow make a space for joy, let grief with jubilance alloy, step by step to make our way till darkness shall unite with day. Each season by the next is bound, meetings, partings form the round. The sacred center is our frame where all is changing, all the same. Moving we become more still, impassioned we are bound by will, turning in perpetuity. While Time Becomes Eternity.
2: While Time Becomes Eternity. That seems (laughs) to be the theme tonight. (laughs) Is linear time is not all there is.
9: That's right. Exactly. And, uh, we have to be you know,
2: adept at it. We're here in <laughs> linear time land, and we better get with it and deal with it. But we should not be swept off our feet to believe it's the only one.
9: Well, and the thing, the thing about linear time, and with our clock time and calendar time, which puts us in a more fixated, left brain experience of reality, rather than that more magical, cyclical expression of time, uh, we can appreciate it because you and I, you're on the East Coast, I'm here in Tucson, Arizona. We can connect at the same time because we have a calendar that says the date that we're going to connect, and we have a clock that says what time we're going to connect, and we adjust for our time zone so there's there is value to that time, a uh, way of tracking time, but what we don't want to forget is that there's also the magic of cyclical time and and uh, what the Greeks called Kairo's time or time out of you know time that's not in that linear, more left brain, um, sort of fixated on the material world is another way to say that. So this is a way of connecting to a more magical, uh, ethereal way of connecting um, and understanding our relationship to time.
2: When I was teaching in Germany, and I was teaching for extended length of time, and at the workshop center, they said, well, before we knew you know, this was going on, we had booked this one event with this person, and we, he's going to do it, so you can't have um, the space for this one day. He's going to do this workshop event, and it's on um, um, sundials. And he was very very nice, and he said, you know, I'm going to be teaching in English, and if you want to attend, you're certainly welcome to. And I thought, well, you know, it's such a kind offer. I'm not really interested in sundials, but, you know, I'll go, (laughs) you know, just to become rad, you know, and he blew me away. Because he said basically what you're saying, he said, yo, you know, it's not noon at the same time everywhere.
8: Right.
0: Exactly.
2: What makes us think that suddenly you take one step and now it's an hour later?
0: That's <laughs> not how it
2: happened. It's five minutes later and it's five minutes later and it's five minutes later and it's five minutes later. What? And he said everybody had their own sundial and so literally they lived on their own time. And yes. I, I look, and I got goosebumps all over my body, and I thought, ah, "Why did nobody
0: ever
2: tell me this?" <laughs> right,
9: exactly. We're so conditioned to experience time in the way that we have it, and and in in some ways that some could say that it's somewhat purposeful in terms of how to keep our consciousness more limited. So, but. It does have its useful purpose, so we can acknowledge that and then also expand our awareness to recognize that there's more to it.
2: I bet that there's a bunch of listeners who are thinking, I want more of this, and what was that timely advice thing that she was talking about? So why don't you (laughs) tell us more about what you've been doing for all of these years with that and tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you, please.
9: Okay, so yeah, one of the things I started doing back in 1996 was starting, I started writing Celestial Timing, and um, it was for my priestess community. So I was involved with a, a, a group of women who were initiating into a process to remember the priestess within, that all women have a priestess within them, we just don't remember or we haven't been given the opportunity to connect with that part of ourselves. It's ceremonial, it's cyclical, it connects with the um, sacred timings of everything and that sort of thing. So, uh, so for that community, and this was back in the day before email was a really big thing, it was starting to become something, and so I started writing them and, um, for the priestess community for the printed newsletter that people would get in the mail <laughs> way back then. Uh, but I also started sending it to my email list and uh, and they would send it to their friends and their friends would send it to their friends. And I kept getting people coming back to me and going, can I get on your list? Can I? And I was doing astronomy, astrology, look, like what's really happening in the sky? How can we work with this ceremonially? How can we connect with these timings? So I still do that. And my website, they can, you can either go to um which is, not always easy for people to spell so it might be
2: if you go to I was to gonna to say timings. you better spell that for them because it's <laughs> not
0: straightforward yeah.
9: yeah right it's not I will t- I will in a moment but you can also go to celestial timings it goes to the same place so Kaylin C-A-Y-E-L-I-N Kaylin and Castell is C-A-S-T-E-L-L and KaylinCastell.com. So either one of those two will take you to the same web. And you can get on my email list. I'm um, I do. i I'm still putting out monthly timings, not in the same way I did um, in, in the years past. Some months I have more than others. <laughs> Some months I just am able to get a little bit out there and, and keep people tuned in. But uh, um, also if people go to my Facebook page, I, I try to put things up there as well so they can get uh, tuned into that. Um, that, like a daily post or I don't always do it daily but you know often so about what's going on with with Scott with a sky map so people can see so oh here's the moon it's going to be passing we, we have this happening pretty soon the moon's going to pass Venus on September 11th but it'll be approaching on the 12th and and um, past Venus on the 13th and so there's um, you know ways of being able to go and look at that it's happening in the morning sky right now uh, you know, seeing so what, where the moon is.
7: Well, Go what ahead. does that mean for us here on
2: the planet that the moon and Venus are passing each other?
9: <laughs> it's a great question. So <clears throat> the moon will pass by all the visible planets in a month, every month. You know, it takes 20, 29 and a half days for the moon to come back to a full moon. It takes 27.3 days for the moon to come back to any one spot in the sky. So uh, there's different moon... Uh, different things that the moon is doing, but it's always coming by and it just kind of highlights. And when the moon is with Venus, especially when she has just started a new soul, she rose as morning star on August 19th of 2023, just recently, she just went direct yesterday or the day before. And, um, and she, and she's going to make her first conjunction with the moon. And this is literally tracking the 19 month Venus cycle as it relates to the story of Anana, the goddess Anana from the Sumerian perspective, it was Ishtar from the Babylonian perspective. And and in the morning sky, she's making her um, descent into the underworld. And she she has seven or eight moon conjunctions that represent chakra gates. And at each chakra gate, she's releasing distortions related to that chakra. So that she, when she, then she's going to go in um, to a death process or uh, dying to who she thinks he, she is, so she can be reborn to who she really is. When she's with the sun for 60 to 90 days, and that happens about eight months after she goes direct, and then she's with the sun, she goes through this death and rebirth process and rises into the evening sky, and she makes seven or eight conjunctions with the moon, where she is reclaiming. Um, the vestments that she had to give up going into the underworld <laughs> that represented the chakras. And then she gets to reclaim them coming in the evening sky. What's fascinating about this is in the morning sky, she's meeting with the waning moon. The waning moon is losing light and going towards new moon. And in the evening sky, she's meeting with the waxing moon um, going, you know, just after the new moon. So she's um, ga- regaining, she's gaining light so it's it's this perfect description of what's happening with Venus, and when we follow that cycle, like the Sumerians did, they did they ceremonially followed that cycle, uh, especially when Venus was rising as morning star near the spring equinox, because that was the time that was really significant to them at that time um, we feel we feel like probably one of the most significant times now is when Venus rises as morning star and near the december solstice uh because there's so much going on in the sky there where we know that because the sun is rising on the galactic cross where the plane of the solar system intersects the plane of the galaxy creating the cross near the center of the galaxy that zero capricorn point is right on the cross from 1962 to 2034 as the most narrow point of the window from 1926 to 2070 as the larger part of that window that lets us know we're at the turning of an entire 26,000-year cycle, that this time that we're alive, we are so lucky to be here, to be part of this revisioning of a new the ending of a cycle and the beginning of a new cycle, galactic year, as Plato called it. He called that the galactic year. So, yeah, well, um, maybe
2: we're lucky, or maybe it's just all hands on deck. <laughs>
9: We're here to help with the turning of the uh, great wheel of time, right? Um, exactly. Come back to time <laughs> mysteries. Yeah.
2: <So. laughs> uh, I, tell a, I tell a story about the, the great goddess had making everything and then going to sleep and how everything calls for her aid, and she keeps turning over in bed and flumb- you know, fluffing up her pillow, and she just wants to stay asleep. She doesn't want to listen to all these People from Earth. (laughs)
0: So,
2: yes, interesting times. May you be born in interesting times, and aren't we, though?
9: Yes, we are. And some would say that's a curse, but I think it makes it more interesting (laughs) to be here in interesting times. (laughs) So,
2: for an individual, if an individual is listening tonight and says, okay, I get it, it's in a couple of weeks... We're going to be getting up to September, to the equinox at September, and that's going to mean an equal night and an equal day. And that's balance. Yes. Can they hook into a celestial energy at that point?
0: Yes.
9: In fact, that's why cultures built their standing stone circles, their pyramids, their petroglyph sites, their chambered cairns, uh, because they were tracking those seasonal points. And um, so in certain petroglyph sites, there's one in Sedona, Arizona, that I had the opportunity to see some years ago, that at certain, um, certain seasonal points, uh, the way that the um, sun is, it, this happens mostly when sun's overhead, but, the, but certain petroglyphs are lit up. And they knew then based on what petroglyphs were being lit up, what ceremonies to do, what time it was, how to, how to um, engage those timings when to plant certain things, um, so it was also tuned into the to the um, cycles of when it's best time to plant at certain seasons and also and certain phases of the moon and all of that as well so um, these are these are the things that ancient cultures knew and worked with and were aligned with, and we have forgotten so we're not as Um, So we're now trying to get that back. We're trying to remember how to be more aligned with these timings. And going out and watching the sun rise on the equinox, you'll see it rise exactly due east. Or watching it set, you'll see it um, setting exactly due west. And it's a time, as you were saying, balance. So it's like we're balancing day and night, the darkness and the light. We need them both. That's why we can have the experience we have here. So it's the perfect time to be tuning into that and to coming coming up with the intentions and how do we want to go forward at this moment. Um, there will be a new moon on September 14th uh, that kind of leads us into the equinox time. Uh, and it's a powerful new moon uh, because it is aligned with a star in the sky that is in the tail of the lion, the constellation of the lion.
0: Um Leo.
9: Lion is the lion is actually overlaid by the season of Virgo, so the mm-hmm. constellational names of the the signs have a certain seasonal relationship, so it's based on seasons so you know the equinox is the zero Libra point, but it's rising between the head of the priestess and the tail of the lion. that's where the sun rises in the sky at the uh, September equinox.
2: Um, oh, that's what a beautiful picture that makes. Isn't it great?
9: It, it kind of makes you think of the empress card or the the um, the strength card in the tarot when, where there's the...
2: the oh, yes, with so the woman the, with her hands with up the, lion. the lion's mouth. So yeah. I just want to say this again so that you all really hear what Kaylin is saying. She is not saying that you have to have a structure that you're... Ancestor's made. She's not saying that you have to have all this esoteric knowledge. She's not saying that you have to have priestess robes or anything at all. She's saying that if you will simply get up at dawn on the equinox, or failing that, at least go outside when the sun is setting, and actually be with the sun when it's rising, when it's setting, that you will participate in an ancient and ongoing cyclical energy that has the possibility to make some pretty amazing changes in your life. You don't have to do anything except be present.
9: Yes, so well said. Beautiful. Love that.
2: All right, well, that's a big thing that you have just given people. That's really an enormous gift, and I really hope they take you up on it. What haven't we talked about that you want to talk about?
9: (laughs) Well, I guess I, I know we're getting close to the time, but one of the things I just want to say is that I loved what you were saying. It's not like you have to do anything, but when we can take the time to go out and be under the night sky, to be with the rising and setting sun, to be, you know, to connect with the moon when we see it in the sky, in the morning sky or the evening sky or, you know, the full moon rises. Uh, we just had that happen last week. And, you know, then now we're in the, the waning phase of the moon. But we, we start to really tune into these things and it has information for us. We're informing the mysteries as much as they're informing us. If we do have intentions, if there are things we'd like to activate in our life, um, one of the things I had decided uh, many years ago is I wanted to live a magical life, and then this work came into my life shortly after that. And it has been one of the most magical, amazing things, and magic happens all the time around that. So I just want to encourage everyone to be willing and to Show up and be present and open to receive the information that's there for us, but also be willing to inform the mysteries. What is it that you would like to experience in your life? What What's the joy? What's the love? What's the magic that you want to experience? And holding that just in your intention while you're being with the rising and setting sun or with the moon or the moon with different planets on September 11th. The moon will be with Venus in the morning sky worth getting up and seeing on September uh, 10th. You'll see the moon approaching Venus on September 11th with Venus and on September 12th, just past Venus. So that's a powerful uh, time. If you can't, you know, if you have clouds on one of those days, hopefully you'll get a clear day where you get to see it when it's very close to Venus over that time.
2: You know, I believe that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients, and tonight you've given me the idea that the planets and the cycles have a lot to do with how we can put those threads in our reweaving. So yes. thank you, thank you You're so much,
9: and thank you, thank you for helping us
2: see the seeing the <laughs> cyclical timing and how. The weaving is repetitious, but never the same.
0: Yes. Beautiful. Yes. I love that.
2: And what are the last words that you would like to leave with all of the listeners?
9: (laughs) Well, for me, one of the things I've been really energizing is that when we're coming from love, that's the highest that's one of the highest vibrational energies we can connect with so we go out and we send our love to the planets and the stars they'll send their love back to us we send our love to the earth the earth will send its love back to us and we change everything everything can change when we're coming from that place of love and we we move into a a more enlightened world as a result of that so it's all about the love
6: all about
2: the love Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for being with us tonight. Thank you. Kayla, thank you, Sarah, Ellen, for helping me to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Mm -hmm. Good night, everybody, and green
0: blessings.